Truly, God has blessed us, has he not? I think we could all say that, that the boundaries that God has set for us have fallen in pleasant places. Acts 17 says, God says that he has determined the time and the place, the time when we would be born, the place where we would be born, and where we would live. Those are blessings. I mean, think about this for a moment. You and I could have been born in the Middle Ages where there was no indoor plumbing. Not very pleasant thought, is it? Or we could have been born in the Sudan where there is civil war and famine. But God in his grace put us in this place. At this time of history, that we might long for him, that we might draw close to him, that we might know him in an intimate way. That is God's blessing on our life. I mean, how many of us right now would say, I'm blessed? How many of us would say that we are blessed more than others in the world? I think all of us would, would we not? With blessing comes responsibility. That there, is, there are four laws to, to blessings. One is this, that God blesses us to be a blessing to other people. I think we're familiar with that one. In other words, God doesn't bless us just so that we can be some fat cats, okay? No, he blesses us so that we might be a blessing to other people. The law that flows out of that, however, is that when we bless others, God says this, I'll guarantee you that I will meet all of your needs. And there are literally hundreds of promises in regards to that. God says that as we bless others more, the third law is that he will bless us even more. I like this verse out of Luke chapter 6, verse 38 and 39 that says, give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. In essence, God is coming along and says, if you even bless more, I'm gonna bless you even more. Let's make a game out of this. Let's see who can outgive one another. That flows into this fourth law of blessing which is simply this, that the more we are blessed by God, the more he expects us to help others. Luke chapter 12 says, much is required from those to whom much is given and much more is required from those to, to whom much more is given. Now, would you agree that based on the blessings of your life, you probably have been blessed more than other people? I think all of us, again, would agree with that. Why? Because we've been given so much. Our boundaries have truly fallen in pleasant places, have they not? We have far more freedoms and opportunities and physical abundance and spiritual insights than others in the world. So think this through with me. If I've been blessed more than others in the world, then it would stand that God would want me to care about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? 
That's what we're gonna take a look at today. God has blessed you to make a difference. You were put on this earth not just to take up space. No, he intends for you to make a difference with your life. He intends for you to leave this world better than the way you came into it. How in the world is that possible? Through one word, serve. By serving others. Nobody has ever made this place better through selfishness. I really believe today we're going to start a history-making series called Ordinary People in a Wrecked World as we begin to understand how God has blessed us so that truly we can be a blessing to others, so that we can bring peace to this world. We're going to take a look at God's peace plan. And if there was ever a time that we needed peace, I think we would all say that right now, would you not? I got, uh, I got home from the race yesterday. And by the way, it was a great, great event, okay? I'll let you know the numbers and all that stuff here in a few weeks once we tabulate everything. But I got in my car, and I'm leaving here about 1 o'clock, got to get ready for the message, and I turn on the radio, and bam, I think we all heard the news of, that, of those in that synagogue. And my heart just broke. It just broke. I said, God, our world needs peace. How can you and I, who have been blessed by God, bring peace into our world? It seems so overwhelming. I mean, who are we? Well, let me tell you what this peace plan is in one sentence. It is ordinary people empowered by God making a difference together wherever we are. It is about ordinary people. It is not about rock stars. It is not about super saints. It is not about uh, spiritual giants. It is for ordinary people like you and me doing just ordinary things where we can, when we can, and how we can who are empowered by God. When God comes along and says to you, I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others, and if you bless more, I will bless you more. And the more you've been blessed, guess what? The greater your responsibility is to bless others. God gives you and I the power to do it. The abilities, the energy, the resources, the opportunities. How? By making a difference together. It's not just, in fact, there are three partners in this peace plan, which, which are God. I never worry about God's responsibility. Have you noticed that? He knows what to do. The church and then myself. We are far better together. Where does it happen? Where we are. And there are three parts to this. There is personal peace, where we are, there is local peace there, out there, somewhere beyond these walls. And then there is a global peace everywhere. Personal peace is about your ministry to the people who are in your world. Local peace is when groups of people come together to make an impact in their community, like outrun homelessness. And then global peace is a church-wide initiative where we go to the world to bring peace reconciliation, equipping leaders, assisting the poor, caring for the sick, educating the next generation. Now, what I would want you to know is that 
this peace plan really has nothing to do with location. What it does have everything to do is with our hearts. It's about our dedication. It is not about crossing the sea and going some other place. It's about seeing the cross and beginning to treat people like Jesus treated people. Today, what I want to do is I just kind of introduce this whole concept that God wants to use ordinary people to begin bringing peace personally, locally, globally. Three things. I want us to take a look at the basis for making, being a difference maker. And then I wanna take a look at the barriers that prevent us from really being people of peace. And then finally, as we overcome those barriers, what the benefits are. First, first, the basis. Why in the world would we want to take what God has blessed us with and bring peace to others? Well, the first reason is just simply this, because God has commanded us to care for other people. Take a look at Galatians chapter six and verse two. You obey the law of Christ when you offer each other a helping hand. What is the law of Christ? It is the great commandments, love God and love other people. And when you and I help other people with our own hands, God says you are fulfilling the law of Christ. This command has been, is repeated 10 times in the scriptures. God says again and again and again, when you help other people, when you, by doing that you're loving them and you are loving me. God has commanded it. The second reason we do this is so that we can become like Christ. You and I can't even begin to dream about coming, becoming like Christ until we share and we serve. Take a look at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. God's whole aim in sending Jesus was for him to scramble to the bottom and to be a servant of all. And he modeled that. In John 13, 15, he says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus says, I'm setting the bar. And by the way, it's really low. It is scrambling to the bottom and being a servant. The third reason is that he wants us to learn to love. The fact is, God is love. And he wants you and I to be like him in character. Now, how is that possible? How can you and I learn what true love is about? Well, let me tell you how you won't learn it. By watching Hallmark Christmas Movie Channel. <laughs> or listening to love songs, okay? Those things may produce feelings in you, and a tear may go down your eye, but love is not a feeling. Love is a choice, and it is a commitment to do. I was talking to a mother uh, at the earlier service who said that she'd been up at two o'clock this morning. Luckily, she was in church because she had a sick child. I can guarantee this, that mom did not feel like getting up at two o'clock in the morning to take care of that child. But she did so, why? Because she made a choice and a commitment to do something. So what I'm saying is this, you and I choose the people that we love. And we also choose the people that we don't love. And if we choose 
to think or operate off the premise that love is a feeling, I can pretty much guarantee you this, that your relationships, whatever they are, are gonna fall apart. But if you choose to build it on love, whereby you make a commitment, a commitment to meet their needs, and not just yours, that relationship is going to thrive. Because love is an action. It is not a feeling. Take a look at 1 John 3.18. My children, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. You see, love is something you do. Truly, one of the reasons why I'm wanting to bring this up is that because, is because there is a lot of suffering and pain in our world. But the other reason is that is because good people oftentimes don't do anything. They say, you know what, we love. But they don't do anything about it. That is why when Jesus was on this earth, he used a very powerful word. In Luke 6, he said this, you must. Will you circle that word must? You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. He didn't say that showing compassion is an option. He didn't say you, can, you don't have, you know, if you have time to show compassion, oh, that's great, go ahead and do it when you have time. No, he says you must. If you and I don't learn how to love and show compassion, we'll never learn how to love. It's easy to love those who love you when it's convenient. It's a totally different thing to love those who are not like you and that it is inconvenient. And the stakes are high. Truly the church that doesn't care about people in the world, in essence, is telling people, you know what? You can just go to hell. I don't care. <laughs> and God doesn't want that. For God so loved the world that he gave. He came in and he acted. And God wants you and I to learn to love. There's another reason, and I've already mentioned this, and that is because we're blessed. Genesis 12, 2 says that I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. He said that to Abraham, and the principle stays true, that God blesses us to be a blessing. And the more God has blessed you, the more responsibility you and I have with others. Again, I want to read a different translation, Luke 12, 48. Much is required from those to whom much is given, for their responsibility is greater. And we here in Collin County have been blessed the most. We are one of the most affluent counties in Texas. Do you realize that we're the fourth affluent county in Texas? And, and, and the top three most affluent counties in Plano are 75093, 75025, and 75024. God has blessed us. Why then is it hard to be a blessing to others? To see God's blessings be like a rock thrown into a, 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 a lake that just kind of ripples out. How can we be more of a blessing and bringing peace into our world, our personal world, our, our, our local community, and our global place? 
Well, there's some reasons. There are some barriers that you and I must overcome. And if I had to summarize what these barriers are in one word, it would be this, fear. Fear is the most crippling emotion known to man. Fear is your greatest enemy. Fear keeps you locked in your emotional prisons. Fear keeps you from experiencing all the blessings that God has for you. Fear keeps you and I from experiencing his power and further blessings in our life. My definition of hell would truly be this. God showing me everything that I could have experienced, all the thrills and and excitements of life if I'd only had enough courage to step out and trust him. In other words, to deal with my fears. I know several weeks ago when I introduced or shared with the church that we as a church are going to be discipling a whole nation, Cameroon, that some of you were, you had a little angst about that, you know. What is Pastor George getting us into now, okay? Well, let me, let me just say this. I want you to Relax. As we talk about peace, this series really is aimed at personal peace. I'm going to work in some local stuff and some global stuff, but it's really about personal peace, our responsibility to to the people in our everyday world. So I want you to relax because nobody's going to force you to say anything, do anything, or give anything that you don't want to do. So I just want you to relax. But I think there are some things that we need to deal with even in our personal peace with those who are around us in the way of fear, if we're going to create a movement of peace and see that, like that rock and that lake, just spread out throughout our world and throughout the world. One of the things I hear time and time again is, Pastor George, I'm just afraid I won't know what to do. Well, that's what we're gonna do in this series. I'm gonna take the angst out of this series And I'm going to make it very simple for all of us to begin being agents of peace. We're going to learn how to crawl, walk, and run. Let me just give you an example. One of the aspects of peace, and I'm going to go into this later. I just want us to get how God uses ordinary people. But just as an example, this crawl step is for P, promoting reconciliation with our coworkers, our neighbors, maybe our extended family. What we have here is a blessing in a box. There are three partners in this. There's God, God does his part. There is uh, the church, and then there's you. Here's what the church is doing. This is a blessing in a box. I want you to go, ooh, good. There's blue ribbon to tie this up. Ooh, okay, that's good. We're providing all this. Whoa, yeah, look at that blue paper. A mug, oh, with candy, really nice chocolate. Ooh, do we have to give this away? Yes. A card, ooh, 
Christmas services. Purpose-driven little booklet. And then the Jesus film. In all kinds of languages, God has used this tool to see 800 million people come to Christ. And we've got this, we're gonna start giving them out next week. Not this week, next week. One per family right now. We wanna make sure everyone gets one and then we'll restock, okay? This is a blessing in a box. It's a crawl step. And during these next eight weeks, during this season of giving, season of celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the blessings in our box. We want to be a blessing. We want to give a blessing in a box. And next week, I want you to pick one up. And I want you to add some to it a little bit. Maybe some cookies, something personal. Maybe you know it works on cars. You can put in a couple of rags, you know, that they like to buff cars. I don't know. Just make it personal. Because that's how you and I, as we take these baby steps, can begin to bring about in this step reconciliation, building a relational bridge that's always there whether the person crosses it or not. This past Thursday, we at LifePoint, Marty Martin, with Marty Martin's help and Stacy in our day, we, we hosted a connection, coffee connection for our preschool um, parents in there and it was at nine o'clock right after kids are let off and we had this coffee connection 95 percent of the parents that drop their kids off there are from india been in this country for a couple of years and so we had the idea you know what we're going to do we're just going to take a coffee connection and we're just going to begin to build relationships and do you know how many people we had show up 70 parents that were thrilled to death that we were reaching out to them. That is awesome. It's just a baby step. Crawl, walk, run. This is what we're gonna do in this series. Take a look at this verse out of James 1.25. However, the person who continues to study God's perfect teachings that make people free and who remains committed to them will be blessed People like that don't merely listen and forget. They actually do what God's teaching says. Will you circle three words? Study, do, and bless. This is what this series, honestly, is gonna be about. We're gonna talk, we're gonna study what God says about how to be a blessing and bring peace into other people's worlds. And then we're going to do it. Why? Because I want your lives to be blessed. Another fear that I hear oftentimes is this. Pastor George, I think this is a great idea. We need more peace in our world, but I'm afraid I just don't have the time. Well, I want to challenge you with this promise. Take a look at Matthew 6, 33. And he will give you all you need from day to day. That's even time. So that you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. I'm gonna challenge us during this holiday season with all the hustle and bustle that's going on that we give up some time to be a blessing and bring peace into other people's lives because God says if you and I do that, he will multiply it. The truth is we all have the same amount of time, don't we? 
168 hours during the week. But the difference between effective people who are making a difference versus those who are ineffective has everything to do with how they use their time. It is a matter of discerning what to let go of and what to keep. The third fear that I hear is this. Pastor George, I'm afraid I just can't afford this. Not only do I not have the time and not only do I not know what I'm doing, but I just can't afford this. Now that may be true in regards to a global trip, okay? But have you ever thought, God does? God has it? Maybe your test of faith will be, God, I'm just gonna pray that you raise up the resources so I can go on a global trip because we're going. We're gonna go as a church. We're gonna disciple that whole nation somehow, some way as we work with churches, government, and, and, and business people. If God has called you to do something like that, don't you think that he's going to help you do it? Now, what I want you to know, though, is that when it comes to personal and local peace, it doesn't cost a dime. Truly, there are thousands and thousands of ways that you and I can bring, bless other people by bringing peace into their life that don't cost a dime. Take a look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more. Even if you sacrifice time, he'll, he'll make it up. So that there will not so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. God says, anything, time, talent, and treasure that you give up for me, guess what? I'll restore. You're not gonna outgive me. Here is another fear. George, I'm afraid I don't have any abilities that I can offer other people. Oh yeah, you do. And we will help you with that. We just went through this step. Uh, pathway to purpose. Step two is about maturity, okay? It's connecting with Christ and growing in Christ. We had, I don't know, 70 some people take that step on their pathway to purpose. Step three is about understanding your shape. We had 80 people come in there to understand the shape that God had made them. God has made you in a unique way. You have more abilities in your life than you can even begin to realize. Most people don't understand that, that they have four to 700 different abilities. And here's what I want you to catch. What you have in the way of your abilities, in the way of your shape, other people need. That is how God has designed it. I have a need, you have a shape, bam. I have a shape, you have a need, bam. If you have an ability, guess what? Someone in this world needs it. I am no Rick Warren. I am no Billy Graham. I am no Pope. I am just a plain old pastor, folks. Pastor George, a plain old pastor. And yet, when I got that phone call from Saddleback, George, would you consider discipling a whole nation? I swallowed hard. Who in the world am I? And when I went on the first trip there and just showed up and showed love and interest in them, I saw their hope level 
rise. Spoke to about 200 church leaders on that, just cast in vision. When I got on that plane, I thought, oh God, what in the world have I gotten us into? But it's not about me. It's never been about me. It's never been about you or us. It's about God, isn't it? What God wants to do. Take a look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. We are not saying that we can do this work ourselves. It is God who makes us able to do all that we do. You see, let me tell you what God is looking for. Better yet, let me tell you what God is not looking for. He is not looking for ability. He is looking for availability. There are a lot of people in this world that are able, that are doing absolutely nothing. Nothing but self-serving. God is not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. Now I know some of you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, George, I really like being a part of a church that is concerned not just with the needs within the walls of the church, but for the community at large and really for the world. But George, right now in my circumstances, I got a mom or a dad who's dying. I got a phone call last night on that. I'm leaving here to go visit them in the hospital. I understand. George, I'm dealing with breast cancer right now. I understand. George, I've got a kid that's just going off into left field. And not only that, he's got a lot of health issues, mental issues. I understand. But more importantly than, than me understanding, folks, God understands. He is the one that has set our boundaries. He knows everything that's going on within those, every little thing that we struggle with. He understands. Take a look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 8. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. Will you circle that phrase? You do what you can, not what you can't. God would never ask you to do what you can't. And so no matter what your circumstances are, no matter who you are, even your view of a lack of abilities, which is not true, folks, there is a place for you in God's plan of bringing peace to this world. Now I wanna say this because I've been involved in ministry now for 40 years and it is this. Circumstances oftentimes change, don't they? Life is not a still picture. That is why on my credenza, I've got um, uh, Abraham Lincoln, I've got Martin Luther King, I've got William Wilberforce because you see God working and changing culture that was in regards to slavery. And there's so much going on in our culture right now. It just blows my mind. It just freaks me. My brain is going overload. How do we address these issues, God? I think this is one way. But the picture oftentimes never stays the same. It changes because God is working. Though it looks impossible, he's working. 
Look at this verse here in Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Would anyone like to give a testimony about that one right there? Here's the point. Anything that has ever been done significantly has always been done in less than perfect conditions. Sometimes you just have to step out in faith. Right now, for some of you, in your personal peace, there are relationships that are going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe one of your kids is going off in left field, and it just looks impossible. You've got to step out in faith. Maybe bring a box. Maybe make a phone call. Because nothing is impossible with God. Jesus, in Matthew 19, 26, said it like this. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Do you believe that verse? If you don't believe that verse, I say this, cut it out. Now I can tell you, emotionally, there are times I don't believe that verse. When when I flew over to Cameroon that first time, I was physically exhausted after 28 hours, and it was go, 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 go. It was 44 coming back the first time, 48 the second time. But when I started to meet these government officials and these church leaders, spoke to about 200 of them the first trip, seeing the needs that are there, the poverty, the disease, the illiteracy. Honestly, I felt hopeless. God, I don't know. It's huge, God. But when I came back the second time, and that number from 200 grew to 700, and one out of that 700 was a bishop of the Anglo-Reformed Presbyterian Church in Uwandi. And he came up to me and says, I am responsible for 500 pastors. Would you teach them these things? And by the way, the, pres- or the prime minister and most of his cabinet members go to my church. I will write you a letter of introduction. I walked out of there and I says, God, all things are possible with you. Sometimes emotionally we feel overwhelmed. But then God puts his fingerprints on things and we begin to see God working where we come away, God, all things are possible. And this will be true in your personal peace world because every work unfolds the same way. Impossible, possible, done. How's that possible? Because God chooses to use ordinary people. It is not about you and it is not about me. It is ordinary people empowered by God making a difference together wherever we are. Though it may seem impossible, nothing is impossible with God. Truly God's work done God's way will not lack God's resources. As I like to say, let the size of your God determine the size of your goals. Because a little bit of faith that you have placed in a big God always results in big, always ends in big results. Take a look at what God's looking for in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect towards him so that he can show his great power 
in helping them. This Friday, I had my daughter-in-law over. As you know, I posted it on Facebook. We had a bonding time. I bought special Hallmark t-shirts. We're, bo- we're close, I'm telling you, Carolina and I. My wife is a scoffer in Matthew. <laughs> they can be somewhere else. But you know what? As I was sitting there thinking about this message, I thought, you know what? None of us need any power as we sit on our blessed assurance and watch TV. But we do need God's power, don't we? If we want to be the difference makers that God has called us to be in bringing peace into this world. And personally, I would rather attempt something great and fail than attempt nothing and succeed. And yet I am absolutely confident that this is going to happen. Why? Because God says, I will give you power. Secondly, if you and I do it out of love, love never fails. Whatever we attempt with right motives, God says you're never considered a failure. And finally, I've read the last chapter, and guess what? We win. We win. So I'm confident that God can use you and God can use me. And so my advice to you is this. Any Anytime you start to worry about anything in your life, as we begin to take little steps, crawl steps, and bringing peace into our personal worlds, remember this phrase. He's got the whole world in his hands. Our destiny is in his hands. He has put your boundaries in a good place. They have fallen in pleasant places. He has the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. Guys, God wants to use you. Personally, at your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your family and extended families. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. The relational concerns, ladies, that you, 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 you oftentimes think about and, and pray about, he knows them. He has you in his hands. And whatever you fear, God says, I'll take care of it. And so God says, if you will say yes, and have a perfect heart towards me, you will experience my power. Now, what are the benefits? Simply these. Will you read Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 10? When you happen on someone who's in trouble or needs help, don't look the other way pretending you don't see him. Don't keep a tight grip on your purse. No. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing in everything you do, all your work and adventures. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty five. Be generous and you will be prosperous. Help others and you will be helped. Helped. 
If there was ever some verses for you and for me, for our marriages, for our families, for our careers, for our, for our businesses, for us business owners, folks, it's this one. Because God says, if you want me to bless you, your life, your family, your marriage, your career, your blessings, then you better take care of what God says he cares about the most. And that is the hurting, the helpless, and the hopeless, and yes, the homeless. So, where do we start? Will you pull out your card? It says, ordinary people in a wicked, or wrecked, <laughs> wicked world. That would be true too, a wrecked world. Just pull that out. I want you to put this in a place of prominence, maybe on your refrigerator. I know during the holidays we go to that thing a lot, okay, so that'd probably be a good place to put that. But put it someplace where you see it every day. And I wanna ask you to do three things with this card, and that is this. First, begin to pray. Pray that God uses you to be a blessing in bringing peace into other people's lives. And there's a little definition. And just pray over those things. God, use me in my personal world to bring peace into my world. Our world needs peace. Secondly, give. During the month of November or December, whatever you give on a monthly basis, will you double it that, that in the either in the month of November or in the month of December and designate that on your envelope cards or when you're online, just, you know, if you give 100 bucks a month, then you make it 200. You give an extra 100 and say that $100 goes to missions. It's gonna go for missions, local and, and, and global missions. And then will you be pray about going? Some of us have never thought, ah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a sacrifice. But go, Haiti, Philippines, Cameroon, because we're gonna bring in teams and we're gonna start discipling a whole nation. So what do you and I do here in our local piece? Will you write this down? This is our first step. Show kindness to everybody. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5.15. See that none of you repays another with evil for evil, but always aim to show kindness and seek to do good to one another and to everybody. Why kindness? It's because kindness tenderizes our hearts and it makes us sensitive to God. And so the first step in bringing peace into our personal worlds is just by beginning to bring kindness. And through that, you'll be amazed how God will start tenderizing your heart and making you more sensitive to the needs that are around you. Let's pray. Lord, I really thank you that you are a God that did not remain in heaven above, but that you chose to enter into our world to begin a movement, to begin a historical movement of changing it. And truly you have and are. From the 12 to now 2.2 billion people. And so God, we come to you today we still need to see you work in our world. 
And we need to see you work in us first. Ordinary people who are empowered by you, making a difference wherever we are. Whether that's at home with our families around the dinner table, or whether that's at the workplace or on the soccer fields with our kids, or in our neighborhoods as we pull out of our driveways and see our neighbors and wave, a, wave, wave at them. God, wherever we are, we wanna make a difference. We wanna be the peacemakers that you have called us to be. So God, use us. Take the little that we have and multiply it, God. This season, as we enter into the holiday season, through these little acts of kindness that we're going to do over these next, I don't know, God, six, eight weeks, however long. God, multiply them. We want to see things change. And may those changes first start with me, God. Use me. I don't know where you're at spiritually this morning. Maybe you're lacking peace because you haven't made peace with God. Would you do that this morning? Would you just come to a place in the quietness of your heart and just say this, God, I know that you died. You came into my world and you died for me on the cross for my sins. And right now I admit to you, I've sinned. I've blown it, God. There's so much chaos in me internally. God, I need peace. I need the storm to be calmed. And so right now, God, I'm placing my faith in you. You are the Prince of Peace. Bring peace into my life as I choose to commit myself to you. So God, give me peace. Lord, I know if there's those who have prayed that prayer that you've heard them, I just ask you that you'd work in their life and that you would work in them and that you'd work through them. And for those of us who have already made that statement of faith, confessed that to you years ago, God, continue to work in us, continue to work through us for your glory, God, and for other people's good. Amen.